Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful, beautiful spring day. Thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you for this beautiful reminder of life and renewal and beauty and your love, Lord, your faithfulness. Thank you for using me today. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you that you are here with us, Lord, and that you have wonderful news for your children. Help us to receive it into good ground, Lord. Your precious word, which is the power of God unto salvation. Help it to take root and bear fruit in our lives, that we may grow and prosper in every way and help others to do the same. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Four weeks till Easter, till Resurrection Sunday. April 17th, we've been talking about eternal life, the fact that uh, that's a word that a lot of people don't like to think about, eternity, but really God is, uh, God had his way, that's what we would think about mostly, all the time, huh? He said, I'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. That word in the Hebrew, because that's an Old Testament scripture, Isaiah 26.3. I will keep him in perfect peace. You know the word there in Hebrew? Shalom. But since it's perfect peace, it's not just shalom. It's I will keep him in shalom, shalom. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, this idea of being so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good, that's ridiculous. If you're really heavenly minded, you'll be more earthly good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In your work, you know. Because if you're heavenly minded, you, you're in agreement with the Father, you're in agreement with the Lord Jesus. You know, at your job, won't you uh, do a better job? Won't you be living and doing that as unto the Lord instead of as unto man? So you're not just putting your best foot forward when the boss or the DM's eyes are on you, but you're doing it as unto the Lord all the time. That's why you're always the one being eyed for promotion and everything, because it's only natural that the cream would rise to the crop the top. <laughs> Amen. God wants to bless you so that you can be a blessing. Who would he rather have running that show than you? <laughs> In your marriage, the same thing. If you're, if you're eternally or godly minded or you have your mind stayed on the Lord and you are submitted to God in every area of your life, well then, when people say, what's a godly marriage look like? You should say, well, it looks like mine. Amen. Now, you know, right here, all of us can relate a little bit to Malachi. What they were saying earlier, I feel a little condemnation. I don't feel worthy. It's not your worthiness that made you worthy. That's the problem with religion. You see, folks, the grace of God came from Jesus through the atonement. 
We're relying on His righteousness, which has been credited to our account because of our faith in Him. Amen. But still, it shouldn't be condemning when we point out the things that we need to be working on or striving toward. Because what we're trying to do is make Him famous. We're trying to populate the kingdom of God in heaven. So it doesn't hurt to work on our negatives to try to make, to rise up to His standard. I remember as a young minister, a wise old preacher told me, don't ever preach your standard of living. You preach God's standard and you you, you come up with them. Huh? So when they... When they ask us, well, you know, I, I, I don't know. They ask you women, how, how do I, uh, I don't really know how to talk to the Lord. I, I, I'm, you know, you're a Christian woman and some of your friend comes to you. I, I don't know how to talk to the Lord. I don't really know how to, how to speak to the Lord. How, tell me how do, I, how do I have that relationship? Well, just look at how I speak to my husband. Amen. Or oh me. You men. <laughs> Same thing. Your buddy. Your old drinking buddy from back when you didn't know the Lord. Hey. I don't really know much about uh, about this stuff. You know. But how, how should I uh, how should I do that? You know. You know, I don't really believe that the Lord loves me. How, how can I? What does that even look like? Jesus really loves and cares for me. What? I didn't grow up in a home like that. What does that really mean? What does that look like? It looks just like I treat my wife. Amen or oh me? It. I'm not saying any of us have arrived, but that should be the desti- the goal, huh? In other words, there's a scripture that I never ever hear anybody preach. Be ye perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. <gasps> Nobody's perfect. That's right. You're perfect, you are, in your born-again spirit. You are perfect, perfected, once, forever, sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. One-third of your salvation is, is, is finished. Mm-hmm. And your soul and is being renewed now, according to the washing of the water of the Word, and coming into agreement with that Holy Spirit, and that born-again nature and mind of Christ, the kingdom of God that is within you. So I'm not perfect, but I'm willing to be perfected. I've laid my life as a living sacrifice upon the altar. I have surrendered unto God and I keep crawling down off the altar (laughs) because I'm a living sacrifice and that's what we tend to do. And every time I find myself having drift, walked away from that altar, I just go back to the Lord and get back up there. Amen. Mm, that's okay. Amen. And you know what? Good or bad, He loves me. 
He made me righteous with His righteousness. He made me set apart, sanctified, set apart unto God with His holiness, with His righteous acts. If I'm, a, if, I'm a, if I'm not born again, I can do all the righteous acts of any philanthropist in the world and they won't make me righteous. They won't make me in right standing with God. The same thing, if I have been born again and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior in truth, I'm the first to admit, you see the opening page of my book, I was born, baptized a couple of times, once drunk, all I got was wet. I didn't have a real encounter with Jesus. I had never heart, had a heartfelt uh, a surrender to God, and I knew, I knew that. Even though I called myself a Christian, I really didn't. I really wasn't. But, now that I am, if I say, what did Malachi do? I said a cuss word, which I don't want to do. I don't intend to do it just because I'm free to do it. God doesn't want me to do it. And because of that, I don't want to do it. But when I do, or I do other things, when I crawl down off of that altar and, and do something I shouldn't do, it doesn't make me a sinner. It doesn't make me unholy. It doesn't make me unrighteous. You know? You can dress a pig up, but it don't make him into a show calf. He's still a pig. Our salvation doesn't have anything to do. The church and Christianity is not about behavior modification, which is what the world thinks it is. That's why when you talk to them, they point to the Ten Commandments and they say, well, I try to do good. I try to be good. And they don't know the Ten Commandments, but they say they try to live by them. That shows you that they don't understand what they need to. What you have and they need. That's why you don't hate them for it. Jesus said the meaning of life is, eternal life is to know God. To have a passionate, intimate relationship with God and with himself. Which is the same. He said, we're the same. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus Christ was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now you know the will of the Father. To do good, to heal, not to harm, to love and to prosper, to give you hope in the future. Amen. What was I going to say today? You all got me started. <laughs> Praise God. So, from the time we're born, we have this renewed, renewed in our, our nature. That old nature is gone. We're not, we don't have a dual nature. And so now we have nothing compelling us to sin, but we still can with the best of them. We don't want to. We have a, an overwhelming desire to please God. We're drawn to the spiritual, to God. 
But there still remains this flesh and this body. And, and if it's not, our mind's not renewed, our, our soulish realm is not renewed in the Word, then we're going to be drawn to the carnal, to the natural things and the worldly things of this life. Mm-hmm. You see, our conversion takes just a moment, you know, to come to the Lord Jesus and to, to say, I, I, I believe in you. I believe you came to die for my sins. You're the Son of God. And I believe you died on the cross for me and you're raised from the dead. I accept you as my Lord and Savior. That just took me a few seconds. And if it was the first time and it was sincere from the heart, then it really happened. That takes a moment. Discipleship is a lifetime journey. Uh, it's not a once and done. And people that act like they already took care of that, or oh, all that's not necessary, I wonder about their salvation. Because there should be something in them, a passion, a desire for God and for God's people and for the things of God and for the kingdom of God. It's a choice. If people don't choose to look up and to keep their minds stayed on the Lord and they instead choose to dwell on the past or on their trials and tribulations and physical problems and financial problems and offenses and hurts, then their outcome is going to be one of cynicism. They're going to be jaded. They're going to be sick. However it manifests. Mentally, physically, Whatever. But God is always there, willing and waiting, just like He was for that prodigal son, watching, watching for Him to return. Doing things He shouldn't have been doing. Pulling up His robe and running towards that boy, huh? Amen. Hope He didn't throw His back out. <laughs> but it wouldn't have mattered. He was acting in love. Amen. Amen. Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. I'm trying to stay focused here and stay on course. I promised last week we we're going to get to a message that I didn't get to last week. That's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. Whatever He wants. Amen. Amen. That's right. So make sure it's make sure it's Him. That's all. I'm I'm still with you as long as y'all with me. <coughs> we have an awesome Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, don't we? Amen. And you know, He always had this eternal perspective, didn't He? So it's only natural we go to Him as our perfect example and role model and to set our own goals. We base it on the life of Jesus. Amen. He came and He showed us exactly how it's done. What it looks like. He knew the Father. Didn't He? He loved Him. He, he understood the temporal nature of this world which is what we talked about last week. 
he understood the wonderful meaning of eternity with God. And so he was always trying to get people to look up instead of around. He also understood the terrible situation that this world is in. This human race. He understood their need. And he knew that he was the answer to all their problems. Even when they didn't. And the ones he was here to help rejected him. He he didn't change his mind. He never stopped loving them. Even from the cross, the ones who were doing that terrible thing to him and had done all the terrible things to him and were still mocking him and killing him, he forgave them even then. And he said, that's our standard. He never stopped. And you know, even as ministers, as Christians, as you're all ministers... (laughs) That's what these ministers, the five-fold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, that's what we do if we're really listening and following the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. And he's a member of our church. <laughs> then we're just raising you all up for the work of the ministry. Amen. Jesus had great resolve. Great resolve. I love that word. I've been stuck on that for several years. Because that's something that's very necessary. Resolve is to decide firmly on a course of action. Make up your mind. Be determined to decide. Or in the na- that's the verb. The noun source is the firm determination to do something. And Jesus had it. Jesus, the Christian life, as God intended for us, is a choice also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. You might be one of those that say, well, I've been saved. I know Jesus. He knows me. It don't take all that. Hey, I'm not the judge. Thank God. I don't have to... I don't have to decide on that. And if you want to be in heaven smelling like smoke, that's okay. My prayer is that I see you there. But I want to fulfill the, all the pages that he wrote for me. And so my choice is to do the will of God. To fulfill my purpose. My calling. And that's what Jesus did. Then you say faith. You know, you say, well, I have faith. Well, and, and then James challenges on that. Jesus' brother. He said, well, faith without works is dead. You show me your faith without works, I'll show you mine by my works. You know, uh, one of the great men of God, I don't know if it was Martin Luther or Charles Spurgeon, one of them, but they, they tried to get the book of James thrown out of the Bible because of that. They were so thrown off by it, they didn't understand it. He wasn't contradicting anything. We are saved by grace through faith. But, but if we're really walking in grace, it will cause 
us to produce, it'll produce works in our lives. Mm -hmm. It sure will. If you really believe on Jesus and everything that he said is true, you're going to get so excited about it. Not only are you going to put these things into action in your own life, but you're going to be so excited to share them with others and, and, and let them know the good news about the promises of God and the reality of the veracity of his statements. The power in it. You shall know them by their fruits. Hmm? Talking about us. Go to chapter 9 in the book of Luke. The good doctor. Luke was a physician. God is the great physician. Luke was a medical doctor. And you know, I don't think he ever knew Jesus Christ when he was in the flesh. But he sure fell in love with him, didn't he? He wrote Luke and he wrote Acts. And he's awesome. Luke chapter 9, look at the 51st verse. Um, through the 56th. Uh, let's see, there we go. Sorry about that. I'm always thinking about something else. Alright, 51st verse of Luke chapter 9. When the days drew near for him, that's Jesus, to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus had great determination to, to set your face that's what we're talking about this resolve I'm talking about you know he set his face he made up his mind he was determined and he had resolved to go to Jerusalem no matter what and he knew what he knew what was going to happen why did he have such great resolve such great determination knowing such a terrible thing was awaiting him Notice it doesn't say when it was time for him to be crucified. It didn't say not time for him to die on the cross. But it mentions time for him to be taken up. Time for him to go to heaven. To go home. I submit to you that's, that's how he resolved it says he looked past the cross, despising its shame. He saw you and me. He saw being reunited with the Father, having completed his mission. The great plan of God to offer salvation to all of us. And because of that, he said, ain't nothing stopping me from dying on that cross. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. He was kingdom minded, folks. In Matthew chapter 6, there's a familiar verse in there, but I just want to read something that's coming to mind. Matthew, Mark, Luke, Matthew chapter 6, verses 9. Nineteen. Let's see, yeah, nineteen. Do not this is Jesus speaking. 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Again, he's talking about the temporal nature of this world that we live in. And he's encouraging us, don't get fixed on this world. Don't get too attached to the things of this world. Why? Uh, well, Christianity is just boring and it's hard and God just doesn't want you to have any fun or have anything. That's a lie. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. The enemy, the devil's the one that comes to steal, kill, and destroy from you. So what is it? It's because he knew that this is all passing away and he's trying to get our eyes fixed on something that isn't. And the something that isn't is way better than anything we've ever seen or experienced or thought of here. Don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's, let's turn that over. Where your heart is, that's where we find your treasure. Where is your heart set up? What's the first thing you think of when you wake up in the day? What, what do you spend most of your time on? What do you, who do you spend most of your time thinking about? Let me look at your checkbook. I'm just asking you to look at yourselves to figure out where your heart is because that's where your treasure is. Are you... More worldly minded, are you more heavenly minded? This is not a condemning thing. Jesus didn't say, if you don't do this, then to hell with you, or go into hell with you. <laughs> He's trying to help you here. He's trying to keep you from your heart being broken all the time. From being miserable. From being disappointed. You see, if your appointment is with the world, you're always going to be disappointed. My appointment is with my Father in heaven. Then he goes on to talk about... Not being worried and not being anxious for anything. And then the 33rd verse, which is the one everybody's familiar with. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. All the things that we worry and stress about and, and struggle and strive and expend all of our efforts and times and worry about. He says all that was so unnecessary. If you would have just found the promise pertaining to that in this book... And spoke it, wrote it on your calendar, carried around in your pocket, muttered it over and over. That's what meditation is, to mutter. It's like chewing the cud, folks. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. You know, it's not saying that a thousand times is uh, the magic formula for getting healed. If it takes you a thousand times for it to ignite the faith in you to receive the healing which is already in you, then go ahead and do it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Whether I say it or you say it or you play in the audio of it, I don't care. Just hear it somehow because you need to hear the Word because that's where the faith is going to come from that you need to reach out and receive the things provided by the grace of God. Amen, old man. Hallelujah. 
Luke chapter 9, right? So the 57, we were, I got one verse, right? 51st. <laughs> 51st verse. So now let's look at the 52nd verse. Okay. And he sent messages ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans. So he made up his mind. He knew that his time was near. It was almost the time of Passover. So he, he was heading to Jerusalem to spend this last Passover week to die on the cross. He knew what was in store for him, folks. Okay, that's what it's talking about here. He sent messengers ahead of him who, when he... Uh, went and entered a, a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set toward Jerusalem. In other words, he was resolved and he was determined and he wasn't afraid to say he was heading to Jerusalem. Well, the Samaritans hated the Israelites. It was a, it was a, it was an ongoing battle ever since they had been taken captive into Babylon and then some of them mixed with other people of, that weren't of the uh, Jewish faith and, and things like this. And it was, a, it was that sort of a, a racist or a, a, yeah, a culture clash, whatever you want to call it. But uh, they weren't too excited to receive them because they were, uh, they were friends with their enemies, huh? How's that? <laughs> you know, folks, we're going to receive opposition in this world. Not everybody's going to love us when we come to them with what we know to be the good news, the thing that can free them and help them and save their souls and help them in this life too. Not everybody's so excited about it. And I, I always feel so bad for the... Uh, for not, not, Well, I always have compassion for... Young uh, believers, no matter what age they are, but young in the faith, when they get so ignited and on fire for God, and then they can't wait to go and run and tell everybody else, wait till they get a load of this, and then they get shot down. Bam, 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 bam. And it just like, takes the wind out of their sails, and you just encourage them and say, listen, they did this to Jesus too. They're doing it to other believers all over the world. You're in part of a big family that loves you. And your your prize is waiting for you in heaven. And don't you worry about that. And even in this life, you can always count on the Lord for times of refreshing. He's faithful to do it. I, I lean on that. I live on that. That is my spiritual food. That's the food that I have that you can't see that nobody has to bring you on a plate. The food that filled Jesus up when he was sitting there talking to the woman at the well. Hmm? God is good. So don't worry about the rejection. That we suffer in this life because of the good news. If it's because we're not a good witness for Jesus, then it's something we need to take to Him and let Him help us to be made usable, huh? Don't run from Him, run to Him. Because like I said, He's not basing His love for you on your loveliness anyway. It's on your faith in Jesus and His finished work. So... We keep our resolve by focusing on the eternal, by keeping close to Jesus. 
Don't allow space. I used to do a, a message once in a while. I would think about Peter and how the night that Jesus was arrested and they were taking him back. Peter was ready to fight. Remember, he cut somebody's ear off and Jesus put it back on, told him stop that. And then they arrested him and took him back. And, and uh, Peter, who would have, he was the type of buddy you really liked to have in the old days. He just, he was... He was one of them ride or die buddies, you know. He would throw down with you. He would fight next to you. He'd die with you. But Peter was like that, but he wasn't ready to suffer persecution. The rejection of this world. And he followed, it says he followed at a distance. And that space, I used to say, that space he allowed between him and Jesus allowed space for the enemy to come in. And before that night was over, he denied the Lord three times, right? We need to learn to stay focused on the Lord. To talk to Him. To meditate on His truth. His promises. His love for us. Esteem Him above the world. Amen? We need to learn to let Jesus make all of our choices and decisions. I don't mean that he's going to come to you or write you a letter or talk to you in an audible voice. He might. He can. We never put him in a box. But you should at least be consulting him about everything. And then wait until you have the most peace about something. And make sure it lines up with the word. Because when people are really carnal, they can all, they will always say that Jesus told me this or Jesus told me that. I've seen that uh, as much about really spiritual people that do hear from God. I've, I've heard it as often from people that I didn't really think were hearing from God. And then I see that the people that I didn't think were really hearing from God, because it really didn't line up with the Word of God, they have a, they don't really have a, there's a really non-existent prayer life. I don't see any evidence of any kind of interaction with the Lord or with His people, or a hunger or thirst for His Word or for His truth. What's God say about this? I'm confused right here. I don't know what to do. What's the Word say? What's the Word say? That's what we should be desiring. Not to call that friend that's going to agree with us, all the time, but to call that friend that we know we might get the hard answer from. That'll be compassionate and love us and, and sympathize with us, but then always point us back to the Lord. Well, let's pray for you and for that person we're talking about, and let's see what the what the Scripture says. I don't really know. There's a Scripture. Let's see. Let's, let's find it. Let's look it up. Okay, look. Here's what we're going to stand on, and I'm going to stand in agreement with you. Now, that's a friend, folks. That's a friend. Make no mistake, the real friend is the one that points you back to the Lord, always. Not to the flesh, not to the things of the world. There's no permanent help in that. The only permanent help, Jesus said, when all this is gone, this Word is going to be the only thing standing. How can the Word stand? Well, Jesus is the Word made flesh. Amen. So we need to trust in Him with all our heart. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, The fear of man brings a snare, but, but, and here's a promise, whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Hmm? 
well, I, I, I don't, I don't want to. I don't, this person might be offended, or well, what about this? Or I might, I might lose my job, or or I might not make the sale, or I might, you know, this this might this might not go too well for me if I do this, or if they know this about me, or if I or if I say this, Jesus knows I love him. I don't have to tell everybody about it. It's just going to cause problems. No, that's the fear of man. I could describe it a thousand other ways because every time someone's walking in the fear of man instead of trusting in God, they will never, ever, ever tell you that they're afraid of anything. I ain't afraid of nothing. I ain't afraid of man. I'm not walking in the fear of man. It's just this. It's just that. It's just, and they, they got an excuse for everything. They will never be found without an excuse. <laughs> so it's fear of faith, folks. Fear or faith, God or Google, huh? <laughs> I use Google all the time. That doesn't mean you can't use the internet, folks. It's just where's your priority? Who do you ask first? The great physician or the WebMD? <laughs> I'm not saying not to do practical things, and God will sometimes tell us. Sometimes, sometimes you go to God for healing, and He'll say, "Change your diet." Yeah. You know, hey, I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing the, the things that we know to do. It's why we. That's why He put this this brain on our shoulders, huh? If you don't do all the things that uh, you've learned that are good, then shame on you. But just give God a chance before you attack it with everything the world has to offer. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Millions are misled, being deceived and deceiving others. This week, we even had a mass murdering maniac leader of one of the, of the most nuclear powered country in this, na- in this world quoting the Bible and Jesus. Huh? In an effort to justify his war atrocities. And maybe you didn't hear it. <laughs> I did. It was Putin. <laughs> and I don't mind saying it. I'm not afraid of him. But in a big stadium filled with people who were probably mostly forced to be there, you see them waving their flag like this. <laughs> you know it reminds me of a passage from the Bible he said that no greater love does a man have than this that he lay down his life for his brothers and he's talking about the, the Russian soldiers how they're over there just defending each other and doing what they were forced into this, the, the whole nation was forced into this war by this tyrannical Ukraine you know he's just so so, and it's, you, you hear him quoting the, the Lord Jesus, you just go, oh, you're so scared for him. People need the real church. They need the real, even, even in our own nation, folks. And I love the Lord's church. I'm not against anyone, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of messed up stuff that these people are being taught. The other day, well, I'm not. I can't. I can't get into this right now. 
Lord Jesus, thank you. We're living in the greatest time in history, folks. It's uh, there's a lot of a lot of terrible things going on, but you were born for such a time as this. Amen. But we're you really have come to know the truth. You have come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. You do have that relationship with Jesus. That's the only thing that matters. Religion doesn't save anybody, you know. But your relationship with the Lord Jesus has assured you a place in heaven. He went to prepare a place for you. He's written your name in the Lamb's book of life. That's eternal. <laughs> we're no longer searching for a promised land like the, like the Hebrews were when they came out of Egypt. That was just type and shadow. Just pointing to something that you enjoy. You've been led into a land of promises. And here they are, right here between the pages of this Holy Bible. And they're all yes and amen for you. You just need to find the one that fits and stand on it. Hosea 4, 6. My people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. And he's not talking about because they didn't go to Harvard. He's talking about a lack of knowing me, as God is saying. Of knowing Him. Mm Mm-hmm. And they are by the millions, by the droves, where it's not outlawed by the nation. It's just, it's just uh, watered down because when you focus on attendance more than you focus on the growth of those in attendance, it's going to bring some bad doctrine. And there's a lot of bad things happening. Why am I telling you this? Why am I preaching to the choir? You say, well, you just told us that we're the ones that really do know Jesus and that have the grace of God and our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Yeah, but the Lord needs you more than you know. He needs you to help others to get their names written in that Book of Life. Huh? Because they're not hearing the truth. Sometimes, even in the church, they've been sitting in for 20 years. You were predestined. Yes? So how does that work? If I was predestined as a child of God, He knitted me together in my mother's womb and He knew me before I was ever born and He called me to the nations like Jeremiah. Well, listen... Here's time. Imagine a yardstick. Here we are in time. You notice I'm pretty close to the end. Yeah. It's played out just like that, hadn't it? And now we're right about here, whatever. You know it's also already played out in God's mind. It's already done. But it's still playing out. We don't have that understanding. You can see that and go, okay, I, I see what you're saying. I don't understand how it works. Well, most of us don't even understand how physics work anyway. And there's some things that God hasn't shared with mankind. He's not a God that's confined to time. He created it. <laughs> He's not subjected to it. Hallelujah. I don't know why I stopped to say that, but someone was struggling with something. But we need to be shining brighter than ever. 
And that's, that's the point. To help others, we first have to be helped, healed everywhere we hurt, empowered by the promises of God and loved by God. We have to have an understanding, a grasp on the reality of His love for us so that we don't get discouraged and feel unworthy because somebody beat us over the head with the religion. Yep. Hmm? But we need to grow in this grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ so that, so that we can help others with the same help we receive. It's like being on a plane and the oxygen mask drops down and you have a little child with you. You say, put it on yourself first. Why? So that you can be in good shape to help that child. Huh? And that's how it works. It's the same, same with us. And, uh, you know, in... The resolve and the and the the, the the intentional life of a Christian is is the the thing that I'm stressing during this time up from now till Easter. It's what I'm trying to, to to lay upon our hearts to make us understand and to embrace the reality and the severity. Hmm? In other words, this is not a dress rehearsal, folks. Huh? And some of us have a, a less time now than we did before, huh? <laughs> but God can do more with one day than we can with five decades, huh? You know, when it's totally submitted and surrendered to Him. In Acts chapter eleven, verse twenty-three, I love how I love how uh, Luke put that. Because I was looking at this word resolve and I was just, as I was reading in some of the different translations, you know, sometimes I'll tell you the Greek or the Hebrew. <laughs> Don't think I'm this big, big uh, linguist uh, scholar. I, I, I'm not. You know, I look stuff up because I'm interested, you know. I know a little Greek and a little Hebrew. One runs a deli, the other has a laundromat. <laughs> but uh, but uh, Acts eleven twenty three. This was after Stephen was stoned to death, the first martyr, and, and Jesus gave him a standing ovation, huh? Yeah. And uh, that was wonderful. But you know, it dispersed the church. It scared a lot of people. <laughs> they didn't want to suffer the persecution, and God used that though to expand the church. You see, <laughs> I know they're scared and they're running for their lives right now, but I'm going to get them spread out like I want them. And then I'm going to get them fired up again and start speaking the gospel. And it's going to turn the world right side up here in just a few years. Huh? And so that's what he began to do. And in Acts 11, uh, 23, um, they're talking about, he says, when he came and saw the grace of God, he, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. You see, so he's encouraging these early Christians who were scared and, and terrible things where persecution was happening to the church and and uh, and all this. But he's he's encouraging them to have great resolve to complete the work of the Lord for the kingdom of God. To continue to stay steadfast in purpose. 
That's another definition that I found here in Scripture. And this is about the time I think I'm going to switch from this English Standard Version. And I've written on almost every page. And, and uh, it misses some things in the, capturing the real essence of what I want. And then I'll find where it's perfectly. It's the only one or one of the two out of 40 translations that just hits it right on the head. So there you go. Steadfast purpose. Resolve. And that's what he's encouraging us still to do. Jesus tried to prepare his disciples before he left. He tried to prepare them emotionally. Don't, don't panic. Don't be worried. You know, these things have to happen. Of course, they were still very carnally minded at the time. And they were dealing with a, a human being. You know, they saw him after the flesh. Of course, after he was resurrected, they no longer thought of him that way. And we don't either. Thankfully, we see him as, as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and the one who is the only way, the truth and the life, and the one that is the only mediator between God and man, and the one who sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us. He's praying for you, even now. Amen. And now we have faith. Huh? They didn't have this faith. They didn't have this Advocate, this one that this this uh, this Holy Spirit, this what is the word for the one? This Paraclete is the Greek, <laughs> the for one that comes alongside and takes a hold together with you. Isn't that awesome? That's the Holy Spirit as He leads and guides us through this life, through all the trials and tribulation, and protects and provides for us. And encourages us. He has a very positive ministry in our lives. Not, not an accusing ministry. Not a condemning ministry. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is very positive and encouraging and loving. And we have Him with us always. We have the promises of God now. Ephesians 1.3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath... Has already, past tense, blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And some people think, yep, see, that's in heaven when we get, get home. Right now we just struggle through. No, the heavenly places is talking about this eternal perspective that I'm talking about. This spiritual realm that is more real than the one that we can see. That we're really involved with whether we admit it or know it or not. There is a spiritual war raging all around us and we are being prepared for the battle. Amen. And we are fighting battles daily. Sometimes we're losing, sometimes we're winning. Because we win when we believe God and trust God and speak what He says instead of what the world says. When instead of seeing the negative and all the ugly in the people around us, we Pull back the veil and we look and we see into the spiritual realm what's really going on. What's really motivating that attitude, that anger, that negative situation. You see? And we begin to pray against the spiritual things at work in that. And we begin to proclaim the goodness and the glory of God and the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Says we already have these things. Second Peter one verses two through four, same thing. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How many want some multiplication of the grace and peace of God? 
grace and peace be multiplied to you, which means it can be through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. It's all about knowing Him, having that passionate, intimate relationship with God, according as His divine power has given us, again, past tense, all things that pertain to life, that's this life, and godliness, through the knowledge of Him that called us to His glory and virtue, whereby are we given are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, the promises in the word of God, that by these, by the promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through us. Again, he's trying to get our focus off of the world and our attachment from the world and and get us to look up, have an eternal perspective again. (coughs) But it's an opportunity. It requires our own diligence, our own diligence, our own resolve, our own dedication. We have to make up our minds. Being born again or converted, like I said, just takes a moment. But the discipleship and the renewal of this mind and and, uh, coming into agreement with God and becoming more and more Christ-like, it's a path. And it becomes ever brighter as we continue down it and we get into agreement with God. The closer we get... To the Lord, the brighter the path becomes, huh? Just like how we talk about with marriage. It's like a triangle. God's here at the peak of the of the the triangle, and the the husband and the wife are at the bottom two two corners, and the closer they get to God, the closer they get to each other, huh? Until they're all united as one. You see? That's the that's the formula that, that brings a 100% success rate instead of the 50% success rate in the church, just like in the world that we have now. Because it, just because people go to church don't mean that they're in agreement and lined up with the ways and the will and the truth of God's Word. And if they would solicit His help and invite Him into their relationships, into their jobs, into their marriages, into their finances, into their minds, everything about their lives, they would always have great success. Amen. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture, everything in this Bible, is God-breathed. Breathed out by God. That's the English Standard Version. Again, I liked it very much. Because it's not just inspired, like... uh, like like John and I were talking about, my book was inspired by God. I know that. A lot of books I read uh, from Andrew and from other people that I expect, they were inspired of God. And But it's this God, this is breathed out by God yeah. through men. This one is actually alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. This one is not just some book on the shelf. This one is a living document. Amen. Alive in every way. Jesus without the feet and eyeballs. Huh? Amen. And I thank God for that, that we have that. But Hebrews 4.12 says, The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged swords, piercing even, even to... That means, he's going to say, I'm going to show you something. Can, this is how extraordinary it is. It can even do this. It says, even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Why? And the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it judges the motives as well of man, which is not something we need to do. 
But God is the one doing that. But this word can help us because sometimes I don't know if it's me or God. Huh? And sometimes our soulish realm is still carnal, huh? Still has a foot in the world because it was taught by the world our whole lives and we're still bombarded with the things and the thoughts and the ideology of the world. And then our spirit is totally in agreement with God now that we're born again. So sometimes they get skewed and we're like, I don't know if I'm hearing me. This is just what I want. Or what I think, or if it's what God wants and what He's telling me to do. This Word can help divide that and make it clear to us. That's why I say whenever the peace of God should rule in our heart, but even then, it needs to line up with this Word. Because Paul said, hey, even if I or an angel from heaven comes and preaches to you some other gospel than the one that you have been taught through this Word... He said that they're they're alive. Forget that. Don't listen to them. Listen to the word. That's why Jesus on that road to Emmaus, he didn't just go, ta-da, it's me. He No, he had a six-mile walk and a Bible study with them because he knew they would always have this word even when he was gone. Amen. This Bible is a, a spiritual window. Huh? It's a spiritual window into the realm of God, into the spiritual realm that we're talking about. It lets us see spiritual blessings in heavenly places, and then the Holy Spirit will help us to, to see, to see the, have a, a spiritual insight or understanding or revelation knowledge, you hear it referred to, into the things of God. Amen. Second, First Corinthians nine, and I'm I'm almost done here. First Corinthians chapter two, verses nine through sixteen says, "This is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him." We we hear that scripture, and most everybody loves that scripture because they just know that God has something greater than we could ever imagine waiting for us. That's how we talk about that scripture. That's not what it's saying. Of course, it probably is more than we've ever imagined or, or can really get our mind around the things that God has. But but listen, what this says. What I'm saying is we're living way short of our inheritance, and we're more powerful than we know. Listen to what this is really saying. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. The Holy Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's Spirit. Not the world's Spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. So we can know. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. 
It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. That's why we say our battle is not against flesh and blood. Don't get mad at the people who think the cross is foolishness. They don't have the ability to understand it yet because they need the gospel preached to them so they even have the ability to believe. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things. But they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. (gasps) We have the mind of Christ in our born-again spirit. That's why we're struggling and striving to enter into that rest that he's provided. To come into agreement. To know him better through his word with the help of the Holy Spirit. Because we have an unction and knowing from the Holy One within us. The kingdom of God which bears witness and does know all things. Because the mind of Christ lives within us. Amen. First John 2.20 But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge. So, I'm just going to finish up here. But I want to tell you, I think sometimes, I think sometimes we miss the things of God because we, we're trying to do it all right. And there's nothing wrong with studying these things and focusing on the things that we need to grow in and all that. As long as we always go back to the grace of God, And understand that this is all through Christ. Not of our own doing, not of our own works, not of our anything wonderful or lovely about us. It's all about Jesus. It's a free gift that we have received by faith. But then we hear the teachings on how to operate in the things of God. And we want to know more about faith. And that's only right. We should. Because Jesus said, when I return, will I even find faith? That means he wants to. (laughs) And we have learned that the only way to obtain the things provided by grace is through faith. Amen. Amen. And so we do. But we sometimes... We try to conjure up faith. I think in our own strength. We try to... We need more faith. I need to apply more faith. Well, listen, I've done some farming, huh? You know, we 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 keep have a big tractor that I got up there that we put weed in the ground on about ninety acres and half of the place up there, and, and I had a great garden in the backyard. I don't have any more, but I've learned so much. I, I I say that I've learned as much through gardening and. And, and that sort of thing as I have from the Bible, from God and about God. And I know that you can't squeeze. I know all the, the, the power is in a seed, not in the ground. But, and, but you can't squeeze the power out of a seed. You have to do it God's way, folks. You have to just trust God and just bury that seed and trust God. Hmm? Trust that He's doing His work. You ever seen that movie, Faith Like Potatoes? It's wonderful if you've never seen it. You can't go dig up that seed and take a look to see if it's working. If you do, the results are going to be negative. 
Hmm. Yeah. We just need to trust that God is so, so good to us. Huh? The sparrows don't worry about tomorrow. (laughs) Hallelujah. But it doesn't hurt if you want to practice your faith, which I encourage everyone to do. Because unfortunately, when I ask people what you're believing for, is it physical, is it financial, is it relational, what scriptures are we standing on? What have you released your faith? What are you seeing? What have you godly hope, that vision that you have for that restored relationship, for that blessed finances, for that healthy, perfect body? Tell me what we're doing. I want to agree with you. Tell me what scripture we're standing on. There's really not anything. And it doesn't hurt to be more deliberate, more specific in our faith. Hmm? Now, trying to make this a, a legalistic thing. I just told you. You can just trust God. But, example, if, if one, someone's growing, and I'm growing strong in my relationship with Jesus, I have the Holy Spirit, and I'm facing an obstacle in my life. So I'm, I'm going to take up the shield of faith. Good. Take up the shield of faith. And, uh, and I say... Well, Isaiah 53, 5, by, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. That's good, right? Okay, the problem is, I'm believing to overcome financial lack. So, saying that by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed, that, that's not going to really work for that situation, is it? Okay, so I need to... I need to find another promise, don't I? Huh? You understand what I'm saying? We need to be more specific. I need to be specific about overcoming the financial lack, finding something to do with prosperity. I think Psalm 35, 27, God delights in the prosperity of His servant. I am His servant. I am His child. So, first of all, I've cut and passed religion and the world... Because I now, now, I'm not afraid to believe for it now because now I've found out that it's God's will. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even as thy soul prospers. Okay, so God's will is that I prosper. He delights in the prosperity of his servant. So I, I'm growing it right there in, in my faith. And Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply all my need according to His riches in glory. And then I read around that, the Scriptures around that. Uh, what's it talking about? Oh, God loves a cheerful giver. So He's talking about sowing and reaping. I learned about the laws of sowing and reaping. The laws that God has in place to get funds to me. To get all things to me. Because everything's in seed form. Jesus said, if you don't understand this law of sowing and reaping, you're not going to understand anything I teach. Okay, so let me get a, a grasp on that. It has to do with money. Okay, so I can, I can sow. If what I have isn't enough to meet my need, I'll make part of it my seed. I'm going to sow it in the ground. I'm going to forget it. I'm going to cover it up. I'm going to believe for a harvest. I'm going to keep the weeds off. I'm going to keep it watered with the washing of the water of the Word. And I'm going to trust God for a hundredfold harvest. I'm not listening to the world about the drought. I'm not listening to the world about the 
depression. I'm not listening to the world about the oppression. I'm going to say, my God can cause me to prosper even in a time of famine. I can reap a hundredfold return because I read it here in the Word. Hmm? So I'm applying the proper scriptures and the proper promises to the proper need. Huh? And that is my spiritual seed. And sometimes I might need to sow a natural seed because I'm going to reap what I sow more than I sow later than I sow. Huh? Huh? It's not uncommon for churches to be totally funded and operate off of 25% or less of their congregation. And you know who's always coming for the benevolence and the other things? The 75% that don't sow. And they say, it's because I can't afford to. If you're waiting till you can afford to sow, you never will. If you won't give a dollar out of the ten, you won't give a million out of the ten million, I guarantee you. Anyway, this is just not... Thankfully, we have a wonderful congregation of of believers that, that do so. So I'm just talking about God's principles, God's spiritual laws at work. Amen? Amen? So I can talk to you about these things and you listen. And you can help others to, to grow in it too. Amen? Amen. <laughs> we just need to be specific about our faith. Amen. God is... One of the prayers that I pray daily is for wisdom. Huh? Wisdom to lead God's people. I don't... I'm a... I, I told a... I told a minister the other day, I said, I, you know, it is scary when you know you're dealing... Oh, I think it was Messiah. I was on the phone with... with he was asking me about something. And I said, I'm, it's, it could be quite terrifying talking to God's children. Because we understand the gravity of that situation. These are His sheep. I'm not one of those preachers that have ever taken ownership of God's people. I know some preachers that do. And I pray for them. Because that's a sad thing and a heavy burden to carry. But, you know, I always want it to be him just using me as a vessel. Just the sprinkler, huh? I don't want to get in the way of that. So I pray for wisdom. James 1.5 says, God, you said, if I lack wisdom, I can ask you. That I should ask you. And that you give it to me generously without finding fault in me. In other words, just come and ask me, son. I... I you need it. I've got it. And you're not going to get in trouble for asking. I already know your deficit. <laughs> but I need you to ask me so you know who to give the praise to when you're walking in it. Instead of claiming it for yourself. I don't want you to get puffed up. One of the main reasons we pray and ask for things is so we remember who to thank when we get it, folks. He already knows what we need before we ever ask. But I tell you what, it sure is good to ask. Because he's the one... That we need to give the thanks and the glory and the honor to when we walk in in such a victorious life. Let's just make up our mind. Let's resolve to fill out, to fulfill the days written for us in the Lamb's book of life. And to be kingdom minded, Jesus minded, 
to keep the Word of God ever before us, the promises of God ever before us, to always have things that we're believing for and growing toward and standing on regarding the kingdom of God and His people and our families and our marriages and our children and grandchildren. Let's always include the Word and the will of God in those things. Don't be afraid to offend those around you that may not have a relationship with God that you do. Because if you wait and you put it off, I'm just going to let them grow up and make their own decisions. You know what? It's going to be really harder for them. I'm one of those that had to, had to do that. And it was quite awkward for me for a while. Wouldn't you rather be teaching them to be comfortable talking about God and the will of God and praying to God in front of you and seeing you doing it? Seeing you do all the things and talk about the things of God so that it's normal to them. That should be the normal. Don't let a new normal of the world impose upon God's will and God's normal. Because God's way is perfect. Amen? And if you really love somebody, you'll struggle through those awkward moments until it just becomes normal, folks. To talk about God, to praise God, to pray to God, huh? And to believe God for things. Hallelujah. Just remember to let God do the choosing. And just ask yourself, what am I doing? And I can't decide if this is me or God. Who does it glorify? Is God glorified in it? Are you, are you, con, uh, are you concerned more with Jesus' rights and privileges and, and His reputation or yours? These are just litmus test things that you can use to help you when you're trying to hear God. One of the biggest things you hear from people is hear about hearing God. And there's a lot of little things that you can do like that that will help you along the way. Just spend more time with Him is the biggest thing. Spend time in the Word. Always have a promise of provision for whatever need it is. Whatever area of your life that you're trying to get uh, something fixed or to get the help from God, make sure you include Him. And that way you know who to thank when He's done it. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this day. We thank You for Your will, Your way, Your your love. We thank You, Lord, for being such a perfect example of uh, to us of how to walk out the Christian life with perfect resolve and steadfast purpose in our hearts and minds to fulfill your will and your ways in this life. The brevity of this life, Lord, as we see how brief life is, even in this beautiful spring day, and we see nothing but new life and beauty springing forth. We know that winter comes, and we know that this life is just but a flicker. That doesn't make us sad because we have hope. We're not like the world who doesn't have hope. We, Our hope is in you and in eternity. We have eternal life and a much more beautiful home that you've prepared for us than anything we can ever see here in this world. And we look forward to that time. Until then, Lord, help us to walk in power and victory and love and shine as beacons of your life everywhere. In Jesus' name, amen.